Okay, tonight we want to speak and we want to carry on from where we were last night. Now, if you didn't hear last night, don't worry because it's, it's a, tif- a different message, but we will tie it in if, the best we can for you. Will you turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, please? Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. Just lift a few verses. And as your eye run down to verse 32, the Lord Jesus is the speaker. He says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Let us pray again. Father, again we ask you, Lord, to inscribe your word in our hearts, to imprint your word into every mind. And we pray, O God, that we would take your word home within us. And Father, that if there's one that is listening to this message that does not know your Son, the Lord Jesus, is their own Lord and personal Savior, we pray for the salvation of their souls, Lord, that you would reach them through the quickening of your own Spirit, bringing them to the cross to behold the Lamb of God. So, Father, in Jesus' name we pray that you'd settle us in your presence. For his name we ask it. Amen. Just last evening we looked at the importance of the year 1917. 1917 finished the seven times punishment of Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel. And the last deportation of the kingdom of Judah, that is the southern kingdom of Israel, was uh, at 604 BC. And when we'd done the seven times punishment, if you remember, it was 2,520 years, taking a year for a day for a scale of prophecy. And that brought us to the year 1917 when General Allenby flew the little by-wing planes over Jerusalem and the Turks from the Ottoman Empire Uh, they dropped weapons and they came out and surrendered without a bomb being dropped, without a shot being fired. And it fulfilled Isaiah 31 and verse 5 when the Lord said, As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. And so whenever we looked at that then, this made way, the Balfour Declaration came into being. And after that, the, the, the Jews came into being in the land of Palestine as it's known. And this became known as the fig tree nation of prophecy. So what we want to look at tonight is the fig tree nation of prophecy. And whenever we are looking at this, we want you to go back into the Old Testament to show you the types and to give you a Bible pattern of this. If you'll turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, please. The book of Jeremiah. And let your eye run down. Chapter 24, pardon me. Jeremiah chapter 24. And if you just let your eye, I'll tell you what, there's a short chapter. Let's just read through it. The Lord showed me 
And behold, two baskets of figs. Now notice the symbology here. Two baskets of figs were set before the temple of the Lord after that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away captive Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. And the princes of Judah, with the carpenters and the smiths from Jerusalem, and had brought them to Babylon. One basket had very good figs, even like the figs that are first ripe. And the other basket had very naughty figs, which could not be eaten, they were so bad. And the Lord said unto me, What sayest thou, Jeremiah? And I said, Figs, the good figs, very good, and the evil, very evil, that cannot be eaten, they are so evil. Notice the symbology here on the language. Again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel. Like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans for their good. Notice, for their good. For I will set mine eyes upon them for good, and I will bring them again to this land, and I will build them and not pull them down, and I will plant them and not pluck them up. And I will give them an heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. For they shall return unto me with their whole heart. And as the evil figs which cannot be eaten are so evil, surely thus saith the Lord, so will I give Zedekiah the king of Judah and his princes the residue of Jerusalem that remain in this land, and them that dwell in the land of Egypt. And I will deliver them to be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth for their hurt, to be a reproach and a proverb, a taunt and a curse, in all places whither I shall drag them. And I will send the sword, the famine and the pestilence among them, till they be consumed off the land that I give unto them and to their fathers. Here Jeremiah is showing two baskets of figs good figs and bad figs good figs that were good like the first ripe figs bad figs or naughty figs that were very evil and couldn't be eaten nothing could be done with them and the lord said this the good figs are those who are actually carried away in my will to babylon it was god's will that he told the people of judah through the prophecies of Jeremiah. When Nebuchadnezzar comes, go with the captivity. And the first ones to go with the captivity, we find Daniel among the first ones. We find who those Hebrew children who were in the fire in Babylon among the first ones. And they obeyed the word of the Lord. And the Lord says, look, it might seem it's for their wrong, but it's for their good. Sometimes you and I find ourselves in a predicament. Sometimes you and I find ourselves even cast out and outcasts from society and even in Christian circles. But yet we think that something's wrong and others may even smile at it. But God does things for the good sometimes. And he does this with the house of Judah. And the good figs are those who go and are taken away captive. Zedekiah is left behind with his sons. He is now the king of Judah, and he 
becomes a wicked king. In fact, when he eventually is taken captive, Zedekiah is uh, stood before his sons, and his sons are slain before him. They're all killed. And then his eyes are burnt out of his head by the Babylonians. And God judges the land. Now the Lord said he would bring them back again. And after 70 years, the Lord brought back a remnant of the Jews or Judah back again to build the walls in the temple. We read of Ezra and Nehemiah, and it's known as Zerubbabel's temple. And we read of that in Scripture. Now here's something to note in this. If you read the book of Nehemiah, and if you were to read the book of Ezra, you'll read of the tribe of Judah mentioned, the tribe of Benjamin mentioned, the tribe of Levi mentioned. They comprise the southern kingdom of Israel, and you'll even hear the word Israel because they're part of Israel. But you don't read of any other tribes mentioned in their tribal condition or form because they're not there. Israel were carried away 120, 150 or so years before that. So when they come out, the walls are built, the temple's built. We read about this. And from that, the Lord strengthens them again. But sadly, they come with Babylonian traditions and they come with what's known as a Babylonian Talmud teaching and it starts to infiltrate the temple worship until the time when Christ comes. There's that period of 400 years of silence between Malachi and John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and Christ comes to the river Jordan to be baptized of him to start his three and a half year ministry in the land of Judea. So between this time, they become corrupt. They add the traditions of men, 613 commandments to try to be saved. And that's why when Christ comes, he says that they're more interested in the traditions of men than the weightier matters of the law. That is the law of God. And he tells them, you're off their father, the devil. And the loss of your father, you will do. And that's why Christ is speaking about this. They have become proselytized from Edom and admixtured with them. They were no longer Judaites completely. There, was, there were Judaites there now, but they were not all Judaites anymore. They were proselytes. They had brought all this teaching with them, and they had, they had mixed it with the true worship that the temple was meant to be set for before the coming of Christ. And so the Lord says, here's good figs and there's bad figs. Um, even when we go into the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation, and when the Lord writes, uh, John writes the letters from the Lord to the seven churches, we read that the Lord mentions in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 of those who say they are Jews or Judaites and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. And so we see there are good figs and there's bad figs. There's good Jews, as it were, and there's bad Jews. There's true Judaites and converted, and there's none. There's those who are not and are not of uh, God at all. Um, that is still prevalent and in the land even, or in the earth, even this very night. You see, the word Jew or Jews is first mentioned in your Bible in 2 Kings chapter 16. That's the first time you'll read the very name of it, the very word of it. And Israel and the Jews are fighting one another. In fact, Israel is the northern kingdom and they're fighting and they're in alliance with Rezin, or Rezin, the king of Syria. 
so that Israel and Syria are together fighting against the Jews in the book of Kings chapter 16. You can look that up and read that when you get home. The word Jew or Jews is the word Yehudi or Yehuda. It's singular and it's plural. And it speaks also of territory. It speaks of a landmass. It speaks of people, even those who just live there. For example, people now say they are English, but they've come from other nations and they are other faiths and they have become English in the sense where they live in England and so on. But Judah means praise. Judea comes from Judah. That's why we get the name Judea in the New Testament. Judea is that landmass where the Jews were prevalent and Jesus at times could not walk in the land of the Jews. And that's why he went mostly north to Galilee because there their, their power wasn't as strong and there were many there from the tribe of Benjamin especially in that time. And so when we find this, Jesus ministers there. We want to show you something that happens then in the New Testament. Turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 13. Luke's Gospel, chapter 13. So the fig tree is the symbol of Judah, or if you want, the symbol of the Jews, because this name, Jew, is where we, it comes from the name of Judah the patriarch. Um, turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 13, please. Now notice this whenever we are looking at this. The Lord Jesus is going in to Jerusalem. I think we should all know this story. Let your eye run down to verse 6. Luke 13 and verse 6. And he spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and sought thereon and found none. A fig tree, notice that, in a vineyard. And he found no fruit. Notice, then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? And he answered, said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Notice where Christ was teaching in the synagogue, the place of meeting of the Jews. And Christ tells a parable of a man who has a vineyard. Now the vineyard grows as vines in a vineyard. And the vineyard grows grapes, the, 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 the fruit of the vine. The vineyard was Israel in its entirety. The vineyard was the area mass where all Israel took before the captivities of the northern and the southern kingdoms years before. Now these Jews are back again and they have, they have mixed all this worship. And the Lord has said, listen, I, I want to tell you a parable about a man who comes. And he has his vineyard. And he says, I haven't found fruit on it. And he says, I have been here. There's a fig tree in the vineyard. What's the fig tree? It's the Jews who had come back and are now in the land of Palestine or Judea at this time. And he says, so you Jews are back here, he says, because, he says, you are the fig tree that was spoken of 
in the book of Jeremiah chapter 24, as we have read. And the Lord says this, A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon, and found none. Now I notice that the man comes looking fruit off the fig tree. Notice it didn't say he came looking fruit off the vine, because the vine was gone. Only the fig tree was left. And the fig tree, he comes to it, and he finds no fruit. Then said he to the dresser of the vineyard, Behold these three years. Notice the years. These three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down why cumbereth it the ground. Three years the man has been working at this fig tree. But it's a vineyard. Three years the fig tree hasn't brought forth fruit. And so the man says, cut it down to the dresser. Now, who is the man? The, the, the man represented here is the Father, Almighty God. The dresser who's working for three years on the fig tree is his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ came and he preached the kingdom of God and he preached salvation in him alone unto the Jews or unto the fig tree for three full years. And the, he said, the father will cut you down. He says, but I have said, let it alone this year also. And if it bear fruit, well, that'll be good. And if not, then you can cut it down. Now notice this. Jesus was there approximately three and a half years ministering to the fig tree. And at three and a half years, the fig tree rejected him. The Jews cried away with him. Crucify him, crucify him. And so what happened then, there was no fruit. And what happened nationally then, they were cut down in AD 70. When Jesus said, one stone of this temple will not be left upon another. And Titus the Roman prince came with his armies. We spoke about that before. So notice this now. So Jesus is, is telling this uh, parable in the synagogue, so the Jews know he's speaking about them. And Jesus is saying, you're the fig tree, I'm preaching to you for three years. Judgment is coming. Time is coming up to an end. So what time is it, fig tree? And this is the theme of this, this prophecy nights of week of meetings. It's what time is it? And we're going to look at what time is it for the fig tree today? And what time is it for the nations of the world today? And what time is it in the very calendar or clock that we are living in this very day? So the Lord says here, he says, Cut it down, why cometh it the ground? Verse 8, and answering, he said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I dig about it and dung it. Lord, I leave it alone. I'm going to try harder, as it were. I'm going to even apply more to it. And Christ did that, of course. And then it says in verse 10, or verse 9, and if it bear fruit well, and if not, then I shall cut it down. Turn with me, if you will, to Mark's Gospel, please. Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. Now, let's just look, for time's sake, let your eye run down to verse 12. Now Christ is going into Jerusalem. Mark 11, verse 12 says, And on the morrow... When they were come from Bethany, 
he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. And they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves, and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations at the house of prayer? But you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it, and how they and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. And when even was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answering, saith unto him, Unto them, have faith in God. Now notice what's happening. In the way in in the morning, he's hungry. And he's going into Jerusalem. And the fig tree is there. And it's showing forth its leaves. Now take note of this. And Jesus comes to find fruit on the fig tree. And when he gets there, it's just a fig tree with no figs, no fruit. And it's just leaves. In other words, it's all show. It looks the part, but there's no fruit on it. So Christ, he curses the fig tree. And notice what it says here in verse 14. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. Now take note of that. Forever. Jesus didn't say, Man will eat fruit of you in years to come. He says, no man will eat fruit of you forever. Now, brothers and sisters, when you and I are saved by sovereign grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we believe we are saved forever. And I trust the forever of God means forever. So when Jesus says forever, he means forever. And so here he says, no man will eat fruit of thee forever. What did he mean? And this is what Jesus was saying. He's saying that this parable that he had spoken in Luke 13 now is depicted by this fig tree. It's all show, the temple, the ornate uh, building of it. Everything seemed fine. In fact, when the disciples, uh, they said, if, well, we, uh, we will look at it a little later maybe in Matthew 24. Look at these stones and these buildings and the, this temple. And Jesus looking at it, you see, the Jews thought, that they couldn't swear by the temple. They could swear by the temple to say, well, in here is salvation. In here is atonement. In here, look at this great edifice, these 100-ton stones. Look at the grandeur of it. It's an otherworldly building. It's like nowhere else on earth. Look at it. God is here. And Jesus says, no, God is not there. He says, God is here when he points to himself. He says, God is in me. He says, and I am the Lamb of God 
the final lamb. And on Passover, when they crucified him, it is estimated there were 260,000 lambs slain in Jerusalem at Passover. And they were so caught up with the temple and they're so caught up with the sacrifices. And they were so caught up with all the goings on and the rituals and the ceremony of it. They're so caught up, up with the, the slaying of the animal blood. They're so caught up with it. They missed the Lamb of God whom they crucified and hung upon a tree. Jesus says, here it is. Friend, what are you caught up with? What are you caught up with? That we miss the Lamb of God. Jesus says there's no fruit will be in this temple. Listen, forever. Salvation will not be found in a rebuilt Jewish temple, brothers and sisters. Salvation will not be found in a ritual or a ceremony. Salvation will not be found in a denomination, whether it's a Christian denomination or whatever it is. Salvation can only be found outside the city walls. Of the city of Jerusalem. There the centerpiece. The middle cross. Where the son of God. Shed his blood and died. There is the fruit. Of the labors of God. There is the fruit. He said. I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. You know what the true vine means? He says I am the true Israelite. The vine of Israel. He says I am he. And all in me he says. They will bring forth fruit. Notice here, this fig tree, they go in, he curses it, they go into Jerusalem, they come out in the evening so it's getting dark. The next day they go in, the last week of, see some people think Jesus just happened to walk into Jerusalem one, one day and that was it. He was in and out of Jerusalem his final week some three times at least. And so he comes back out again to Bethany. And when he's out at Bethany, the next day he comes back in again. And when coming in the same road into Jerusalem, we find that they look at this fig tree. And look what it says in Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. And let your eye run down to verse 20. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Notice this. It, it didn't wither like the sun had beaten down on the leaves and shriveled it up in the hot noonday sun. No, it was dried from the root. In other words, as John the Baptist would say, that the axe was laid onto the root of the tree. And this is prophetic of what was going to happen. Christ would come and lay the axe to the root of this fig tree. And when he lays the root to it, then it would no longer bear fruit. It would be, it would be consumed. Notice what happens here in verse 21. Peter calling to remembrance saith unto him, Master, Behold the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. Now I see the word behold there. The tense that it is written in in the original text is like this. It gives the idea of what we would call shock, astonishment, and awe. So coming back in again, here's this great fig tree. And now it's, it's shriveled up the roots and everything are just all shriveled right up. There's no life in it. There's no leaves on it even. Peter sees it, and this is the way he would be something like this. Master, master, look, master, look. The fig tree which thy cursest. That's where it goes. He was so elated at this, and he, he couldn't get it into his own spirit. 
Look what's happened, Master, when you cursed it. And Jesus just says, have faith in God. There's no faith in the tree, in the fruit of this tree, forever. He says, have faith in God. And where was that faith in God to be found? In the one who cursed it. In Christ alone. Now I notice this, brothers and sisters. Notice this. We looked at the carrying away of the house of Judah in 604 BC. And then the seven times punishment against the house of Judah at this point in, uh, from Leviticus 26 last night, 2,520 years, and it brought us to 1917. But notice, they, they rejected the prophets and they rejected the word of God, so they were carried away. Here, because of what they had done in AD 70, they rejected the Son of God. And when they rejected the Son of God, they rejected the Word of God. When they rejected the Word of God, they rejected all God had to say to them. Now you think about this. And their temple was left unto them desolate. They came and destroyed the very temple. Now look at Matthew 24, please. Now what we have shown you what has happened with this fig tree. For this fig tree makes a reappearance again. But it doesn't mean to say there's any fruit. There's no salvation found in it, brothers and sisters. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. And notice this. Look at verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came for him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another, that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat on the mount of olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming? And the end of the age. Now notice what they're saying here. Look at the temple. And he's saying, I've told you guys, this is finished. One stone will not be left upon another. And of course, we told you, AD 70, this happened. The temple was torn down and many, many Jews were, were died and they were carried away captive and, and they were brought into Rome and into Italy and the Arch of Titus is there still today in Italy. You can see it in Rome that depicts this. That was a memorial by Titus. You can actually see it written in stone today. And so what happens is Jesus then tells us and gives us signs to look for for his second coming. But now here is a telltale sign for when he will return again. Matthew 24 and verse 32. Matthew 24 and verse 32. He says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When her branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is near. It is even at the doors. Now Jesus is saying the fig tree will start to grow. And the fig tree will be tender. In other words, it will be young. And it will put forth leaves. But there's still no fruit. But it will put forth leaves. Now let's go to Luke chapter 21. To Luke's account. Luke chapter 21. And just let your eye run down to verse 29. And let's read from there. Luke 21 verse 29. He says, 
Behold the fig tree and all the trees. Now he's mentioning other trees. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is now at hand. So likewise ye, when ye see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. So now if the fig tree represents Judah or the Jews, and if it spreads its leaves and its young, then the other trees, behold a fig tree, and all the trees, then if it speaks of a nation of people, then all the other trees speak of other nations and peoples. So when we look at this then, he says learn a parable of, a fig, of the fig tree in Matthew 24, 32. The word learn here is the word manthano, and it means be a disciple and be disciplined. It means to increase one's knowledge, to be knowledgeable about something, to inquire and to observe. That's the idea of it. So Jesus is saying, learn the parable, observe this parable, be knowledgeable about it. It means not only to be knowledgeable, but to be disciplined in study about it. What is it about this fig tree? So Matthew uh, Matthew tells us that we are to watch, we are to learn, and we are to inquire about these things. Now notice this. I want to show you this word learn, just to strengthen it. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says in ver- 11 verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. In other words, we should be studying Christ. We should be studying the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should learn, we should be knowledgeable about who he is and his deity, in his humanity, in his miraculous life, and his virgin birth. All the things our brother prayed about at the beginning. All the wonderful, his high priestly ministry, his second coming again, his death on the cross, his, his uh, final sacrifice of all sacrifices. We should be learning about the power of the blood of the Lamb. We should be learning about salvation that's in Christ alone. So this is the idea of his, learn of me. Learn of me. He says, for I am making holy in heart and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's no Puritan called Thomas Boys. And Thomas Boys looks at how uh, uh, when Jesus had appeared and says, handle me and see for his spirit of not flesh and bone after his resurrection as you see me have. And he writes about this and he says, Thomas acknowledged the divinity he did not see by the wounds he did see. In other words, what Thomas saw, he saw the one who had died on the cross. He saw the one whose, nail, whose hands were nailed to the tree and whose feet were nailed. He saw the one who had a riven side. He saw the one with a crown of thorns driven into his brow. He saw the one with his back that was lashed right through from top to bottom. He saw it all and he says, uh, 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 Thomas Boyce says, John Boyce says, Thomas seen the wounds. He saw him die. He saw him in the grave, but he saw him resurrected. And he says he knew that no man could live after the wounds that he had suffered, for he was marred more than any man. And Thomas knew this is God. This is the Son of God. And so to study Christ, to come to know Christ, not only in a saving faith, but in an intimate relationship and walk with Christ. And he says, 
come and learn of me. Isn't he wonderful? He's a wonderful savior. He says in John 20 and 29, Thomas, because thou hast seen me and hast believed, blessed are thou, thou, they who are not, have not seen and have yet believed. And so we learn through the scriptures of Christ. So we're told to see and to know. Luke 21 and verse 30, he says, You see and know of your own selves that summer is nigh at hand. You see and know of your own selves. So, you see, sometimes people say, well, they read it's a nice story about this fig tree, but they don't understand what it means. They don't understand it's Bible prophecy. They don't understand it's God keeping his covenants. It's God keeping his word. It's God showing his sovereignty. It's God showing his sovereignty in the nations and in the salvation of men and women. They're not seeing this, and so they think, well, it's a nice story about a tree. This is more than this. This is God ordaining the ages and bringing all things to pass in his providence. Notice this. Luke 21 and 29. Behold a fig tree and all the trees. He says, when they shoot forth, you should know summer is not at hand. I want to look for a moment at some of this in the fig tree. We looked at 1917 and the Balfour Declaration, our number 14 bomber squadron flying over under Allenby and the, the Turkish Ottoman Empire uh, starting to dry up the River Euphrates. They were all populated around that River Euphrates and it started to dry up especially around this time and they became just the Turkish Republic shortly after that into the 20s by the time they had withdrawn. And Revelation 16 talks about the great river Euphrates drying up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And the great river Euphrates started to dry up in mass in 1917. The Ottoman Empire started to get smaller and smaller. And what happened? Communism sprung up in the Bolshevik Revolution. Mao Zedong was a young student and he was over in Russia and he took on the teaching of Marxism. And he, and he took it back to China. And the, and the People's Republic of China became known as this great communist nation. There was uh, uh, Chinese, um, uh, Chinese patriots, if you want, that were there. They rebelled against him, and they ended up going to Taiwan. And because they're in Taiwan, then what happened? America went in to try and back them up to stem the, this curse of communism coming. And what happened then? Of course, now right to this very moment, we see China is now looking Taiwan. And America is now back in Taiwan against China. And America has sent many of their fleets up around the very coasts of China and Japan now. They have actually started a big military base in the north uh, coast of Australia. Uh, and the Americans are putting a big naval base in there too. And they're saying, you know, we're, we're here to back this up. All these things had a knock-on effect. And God was bringing this fig tree in. And the Bolshevik Revolution started. And many of them came south and into it. Many of them come from there. And then, of course, we had the visions of Fatima when the three uh, shepherd children were in Portugal and Fatima. And they said they saw a vision of Mary. These land visions to these children. And it says, consecrate the heart of Russia to my immaculate heart. And, of course, then that started war with Russia. You see all of these things happening when God is starting to move? All from 1917 era. And then, of course, the fig tree started to grow. Fig trees started to grow out of the roots here. 
1917, as I said, saw that liberation. Jesus had said, and we mentioned last night, Luke 21 and 24, Jerusalem shall be trodden down to the Gentiles till the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. That's the seven times punishment of Judah. And we had different kingdoms ruling over them. Now, if you go to Daniel 2 when you go home, I might talk about it later in another, another night, you'll read of Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and there's a man with a head of gold and his chest and arms are silver and his belly is of brass and then he has th- uh, thighs of, of, iron, of iron and then he has feet and legs of, of iron and clay. And they all represent kingdoms that would change over and they would all rule over Jerusalem. And these are the Gentile dominating empires at the time. And the feet of iron and clay run right into the European Union and into uh, the Roman Catholicism to this day. On the backed by Jesuitry, and the, the flag of the European Union comes uh, from, the, from the, the, the very visions of Fatima of these children in Portugal. The very blue background of it is called, uh, there's a, the blue army it's called, and they, take, they took that and they put 12 stars upon it. And they say this is the woman of Revelation chapter 12. They say this is the woman who's in the wilderness, uh, who gives birth to the child, and this represents Mary. All this in the European Union. And these nations are all raising, these empires are right the whole way through. And yet that woman of Revelation 12, by the way, is not Mary, it's Israel. Scattered in the wilderness. Israel gave birth to the man child. The church didn't give birth to Christ. He gave birth to the church. Notice this. In 1948, in 1948, the state of of Israel came into nationhood. And the fig trees, branches were tender, started to show forth leaves. But during the 20th century, Jesus said, Behold the fig tree and all the trees. Now listen to this. During the 20th century, many other trees and nations came into being and grew up from obscurity. For example, the breaking up of the former Soviet Union in 1991. Many little countries or trees started to emerge and are now shooting forth their leaves. There were some 15 republics which came out from the 74-year-old system of communism from 1917 to 1991. The former peninsula countries became Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, and then they claimed all independence in their own right. All these trees started to spring up. I notice this. Then there was Macedonia in 1992. Then the Union of Serbia and Montenegro in 2006. Trees started to spring up in their own right. As Jesus had said, all the trees, he says, when they shoot forth their leaves. In 2011, what was known as the Arab Spring happened or the winter of discontent as some people call it. Tunisia, Libya, Egypt, Yemen, Morocco, Bahrain, Syria, and so on and so on. Listen to the nation website says around that time. Listen to this. Suddenly to be an Arab has become a good thing. People all over the Arab world feel a sense of pride in shaking 
decades of coward passivity. Events in the Arab world are being covered by the Western media more extensively than ever before and are being talked about in a fashion that is unprecedented, shooting forth their leaves, they say. Now, Jesus mentioned those words, and they have said this. That's not my words. The Arabs are off the seat of Ishmael when Abraham lay with Hagar. And, of course, Ishmael is the father then, the progenitor of uh, the, the, the Arab peoples. And, of course, then we also have Esau, Edom, and the, those who, who were turned, who were forced to take on Judaism under John Hyrcanus. They're evil figs. They're not true figs. They're not true Jews even. And that's in 125 BC. Shooting forth their leaves. They're all in these little population of nations. And now they're shooting forth their, these leaves. Listen to Zechariah chapter 12. And verse 2. The Lord says. Behold I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling. Unto all people round about. Zechariah 12 and 3. I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people who burden themselves with it shall be cut to pieces. Now, God said that. He says, I'll make them a burdensome stone and I'll make them, he says, a cup of trembling. He says, and anyone who burdens themselves with it will be cut to pieces. The word here for trembling is a word, tarela, and it means reeling or astonishment, intoxication. Reeling, astonishment, intoxication. In other words, anyone who gets too heavily involved with Jerusalem, they'll become drunk with the problems of it. They'll become drunk with the weariness of it. It's like they're intoxicated and they think they can fix it, but they can't. Now notice this. The word burdensome means, it comes from a root word almas, and it means to load, to impose a heavy burden. And what Jesus said, or the Lord said, was that anybody who tries to take on this burden, they'll find it too heavy. And they won't be able to carry it. I think of the United States and Camp David and all those presidents that went and talk after talk and the Palestinians and the Jews getting together and the Americans in the middle or the French there or the British there or whoever was there. And you know what happens at the end of it? They're drunk with it. They don't know what to do with it. And suddenly it all falls to pieces again because the Lord said that would happen. When will Jerusalem be fixed? When will the world be fixed? When Christ returns. When Christ returns. I'm going to close soon, so thank you for your attention. I have so much material. I want to just give you one or two other things as we close this down. Listen to what it says in RussianTime.com website. It says, Russians are launching military drills in the Caucasus to prepare for possible armed conflict against the USA and Israel. Now, during the week, while there's tomorrow night or the next night, maybe Thursday night, tomorrow or Thursday night, we are going to be looking at the Russian chapters of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37, 38, right in, around that area. And what we're going to see in Ezekiel 38 is they, they come from the north parts down toward the land of Israel. And then there's two confederates of peoples a war for what's known as the Battle of Armageddon. It's really the battle of that great day of God Almighty. 
And the Caucasus is where Israel had traveled up through. They'll come right down over those mountains again. And they're going to come right down into the land. And there's going to be trouble there. I, a few years back, five, four or five years ago, I would say, I preached on Syria and the whole history. I might do that if I, I, one of the nights too. And I preached on Syria. And a man online, he slated me and he hammered me. And he said to me, the Russians will never be in Syria. Never. Well, look what's happening. The Russians are in Syria. The Russians have a seaport in Syria, one of their biggest seaports. The Russians are backing up with Iran. And all of these are mentioned. We'll talk about them either tomorrow night, depending on how we, we feel the Lord's leading us, or, or Thursday night. The Russians in 2012, the 16th of January 2012, offloaded 60,000 tons of ammunition into the Syrian ports. Isaiah 17 and verse 1, there's a prophecy that says, Behold, Damascus, that's the capital of Syria. Damascus is taken away from being a city. It shall be a ruinous heap. We just need to look at the state of Syria today. I believe it will get worse to you. I'm not saying it's going to get worse right now. I don't know when it's going to happen, but this is looking like the sentence. So Jesus says, Behold the fig tree and all the trees. Here's the warning for us. In Luke 21 verses, we haven't time to read it, 34 to 36, Jesus warns us not to be overcharged with suffering and drunkenness and the curse of this life. And we're all getting about our jobs and our families. We need to do that. But he says, you need to start studying about me, up and doing for me. He says, you need to be trusting in me. He says, here is your salvation. He said to the Jews, search the scriptures for them. In them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. Isaiah 55, verse 12 says, For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you with singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Now listen. Do you think there's a mountain's going to grow a mouth and start to sing, and a hill's going to grow a mouth and start to sing? Do you think the trees have hands? The idea here is that nations and governments at this time when the world is about to collapse, at this time whenever there's going to be such destruction like man has never seen before, that Christ is going to come. And we're going to be so glad that he is returning. The trees of the field and nations will be clapping our hands and rejoicing at the coming of the great King of kings and the Lord of lords. We will be praising him and saying, Behold our God! For every eye shall see him. So the fig tree. This generation shall not pass away. He said all these things be fulfilled. And there's people here were born before the fig tree. I wonder how long in God's mercy. And God's grace, he will allow us to live, should he tarry. And I wonder in his grace and mercy, has he given you time to get saved, to be right with him? God bless his word. Amen. And thank you again for having me. And thank you for coming. And we trust 
The Lord will bless his word to our hearts, and we'll see you in his will tomorrow night.